0: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
2: Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 live on this Wednesday edition jam-packed. We're live at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad Withrow will be back with us next week. Alongside Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Full coverage from Atlanta at SEC Media Days continues. We have SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey on the show. He will be joining us today in about an hour and 15 minutes, 320 Central, 420 Eastern. We will hear from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Coming up in 20 minutes, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, will join us. Plus, in between all of that, um, a a lot of headlines from the SEC from OutKick.com, which we'll hit in just a moment. Bill Hancock. The executive director of the college football playoff will join us in the final hour, as will Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops. And in between all that, Paul, we'll try to recap some non-college football headlines, if at all possible. And we'll talk NFL with NFL cornerback, former Auburn Tiger and Titans rookie corner, Roger McCreary. He'll be on with us an hour from now. So to say we're jammed is not an understatement today.
0: Yeah. uh, So much, it's hard to keep track. That's why you've got that big sheet. I know.
2: Yeah. And I really need it today. Most of the time, it just gives me comfort. I I love printed. I love the printed paper um, more than I do online versions of a schedule. I've always been like that. Like, I don't want to read the paper online. I I have to now. Yeah. You know, but I I loved receiving the. when I was uh, single in my first house, I had the Tennessean delivered every day because I wanted the paper.
0: It's funny. I've grown out of that to the point where I don't like to read books anymore. Largely, I think it's because of light. Like I'm falling asleep reading now. I'm yeah. reading uh, Joe Poznansky's Harry Houdini book. But I've really gotten back into reading and I read on my iPad uh, it's also easy to search books. Um, I like to browse a bookstore, but I'll browse the bookstore and then go look for those books on my iPad. But in terms of having paper, I, I'm very much a notebook guy. You and I did a, a panel for local TV, um, Sunday night, and I've got to have the comfort of having yeah. some notes in my hand, usually a piece of paper like that folded in half. And, and when I'm at the Titans, uh, that's my guide. Uh, you know, one side of it is what I intend to ask. The other side of it is is prominent things that I saw over the course of the day. There's some – it's funny. Everybody's got kind of their comfort system.
2: Every 15 minutes or so, I would refresh the, the front page at OutKick.com because Trey Wallace and Glenn Gilbo have you covered with all of the headlines with boots on the ground at the College Football Hall of Fame, which is the site of the SEC uh, media days, day number three. Where the champs are on site, the Georgia Bulldogs, along with the Kentucky Wildcats arkansas uh, and and others, we will uh in in Florida, I should say not others Florida the gators are there. Trey Wallace joins us now uh, to kick off the show with the latest from Atlanta this morning. Trey, hope you're well.
1: I'm good you were reading over that list, I was like, man, what did I miss? okay, that is a <laughs> uh, got a lot going on I, i'm I'm sure uh, here I in Atlanta, something. yeah. Hey, oh, that's a heck of a show today. So I'm excited for for hockey. That's great.
2: Let, let's start with Texas A&M, who will be there tomorrow. Uh, their star wideout not going to be in Atlanta. What happened? And you
1: get arrested for having a weapon. You get arrested for having two grams of marijuana in your car. Uh, it, it just talk about bad timing. And you, and you look at this all the way around. I don't think it could have been any worse. Um, Anita Smith is, you know, following his arrest Wednesday. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm going through the police report right now. So I, I get this right. Uh, unlawful carrying of a weapon driving while intoxicated possession of less than two ounces of marijuana. I was about to say grams that would have been a big difference of uh, less than two ounces of marijuana. Uh, the big one is, you know, driving while intoxicated and carrying a gun. And, uh, he was supposed to be here tomorrow, meaning he would have got on a flight Tomorrow morning from College Station and headed to Atlanta, uh, but now he will be standing home and he is suspended now uh, by Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. So that will be a talking point tomorrow yeah. when Jimbo hits the stage, and I'm sure he does not appreciate.
0: Who gets a spot, or they come one short?
1: Yeah, they're gonna. They got. Gonna... <laughs> Last second, a lot of it go, a lot of it goes into this. I mean, you got to find a suit, you got to prepare yourself. You go through media preparation for stuff like this. I'm sure they had, I'm sure they got somebody that would be able to take the spot that they've got. You know, they prepared if something happened. I would guess, but you usually don't see an arrest like this from somebody you thought would be a leader. So, you know, you, you thought to would be somebody you count on. So I don't know who they're going to bring. To be honest with you, Paul, I, I really don't. They, they've got a couple names probably, but, you know, just roll with your two and you can explain why you don't have your three.
2: And before we get to the details of uh, what we've heard from from Kirby Smart and what you what you heard at the, the podium this morning, Trey, uh, let's dive into the, the world's largest cocktail party, which is played every year in Jacksonville. Uh, both head coaches, both Georgia and Florida, uh, Billy Napier, uh, and uh, what you heard from, from Kirby Smart, what did they have to say about the future of that game being played in Jacksonville?
1: Well, K- Kirby's over. Kirby wants to move this game out of Jacksonville, play to home and home. And he brought up great references. You know, he, he he said, you know, we can't host official visitors to this game. So what if recruits want to come to our biggest game of the year, which is Georgia, Florida? Let's be honest with each other here. Um, so it's like he he, he referenced, okay, well, Alabama and LSU were playing home and homes, Auburn, LSU, you know, uh, 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 Alabama, Tennessee, you name them. He named a couple of these and he goes, we're losing out. We're losing out of the recruiting aspect of what we're able to do when it comes to hosting people, uh, hosting prospects at home. It's also, you know what? Kirby wants to just go to that home and home series period where you have these games in Athens and you have these games in Gainesville where you're not giving up you know a recruiting weekend but also you get that extra home game. And I understand it. I, I I agree. I've always thought that these neutral site games I think they're kind of a waste of time to be honest with you. You know Texas A&M and Arkansas play in Dallas. Um but they haven't played there a lot of years. I think it's like 5 years. Um you you look at the 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 world's largest cocktail party. And and Billy Napier was right. Billy Napier said he would like to experience the game first. Before he gave an opinion, but he understands both sides of it. Okay, so he, he's going down the middle now, and I and I get it. But I think overall, and he also said that you know that that's decisions that have to be made above his pay grade. Which no, not really. If Kirby Smart's coming out and saying stuff, <laughs> talking about the game, you can too. But I get where he's saying you know he's he had been in Gainesville long, so you know I don't know how many feathers he wants to ruffle.
2: And but for but those, Jonathan, yeah, go ahead, Trey.
1: Yeah, I. I no, I just Jonathan, I, and I your opinion too on this. Like, I just feel like these neutral site games, they're not paying off when it comes to the recruiting aspect. And I think if you move these things to a home and home, I just I feel like the atmosphere would be better. It'd be fun. I don't know. Excuse I would me. I would love
2: for Kirby to point to the recruit who didn't choose Georgia because yeah. it wasn't played in Athens. Um, but Thank you. And that's I, a great point. I experienced the game day atmosphere for the first time uh, this past season. Um, it, last fall, we out kicked the tailgate, went to this game. Uh, and having been to the stadium multiple times when the Titans played the Jaguars, it is a very opposite atmosphere around that stadium for that college game. There is a true college tailgate taking place that you would not expect if you've only attended an NFL game. It's it's like a, it's just a different world. Uh, and I know Kirby referenced you because I know it's a great atmosphere, but. It is a great atmosphere, and I was shocked by it personally because I I went into it with very low expectations based on what I knew from a Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. game day.
0: He needs to embrace the difference instead of 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 circling what hurts. I, I mean, the game's got a name.
2: Yeah, you know, a well, name that. Th- yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you're. Right.
1: I don't. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But I look at I, I look at it overall too from an aspect of recruiting and I look at it overall as, okay, this is what we have moving forward, trying to play this game, revenue split, whatnot. You know, I, I, I agree with Kirby and I also agree with Billy where they still need to take a minute to figure these things out. Like, but the, these neutral side games to me, some of them get old, you know, I, they're just something I don't want to see happen in, in, in the fl- Florida, Georgia game is is kind of up there. I would just like to see that game played in Athens or played, you know, in, in Gainesville. It'll be fun. I'll solve it. Let's
0: put it on a three year rotation. So there you got it. home, home, Jacksonville, bang.
1: I don't have a problem with it. I think that's a great idea. I, I, I think that's a great idea. So we'll we'll see what they do in the end. Um, I I, I don't have the specific date, but somebody did mention me the contract with that game in Jacksonville is it's kind of coming up. So I'll be interested to see what that looks like.
2: Trey Wallace uh, with us, Trey, uh, the other noteworthy point of emphasis for Kirby smart before the questions even started rolling at the podium this morning, he said, I know what uh, you guys are welcome to ask me anything, but I've been asked a lot about motivating factors coming off of a championship win versus not won it with a group before. Because I'm not worried about being hunted, because we are the hunters and we remain in that same mindset. And he referenced the, how many players went to the NFL and how many guys on the current roster need need to step up and prove it on their own.
1: He says they are hungry. He says that that, that nothing's going to change. That Georgia is not going to be hunted. The University of Georgia is going to be doing the hunting. And I, Hey, I like that philosophy out of him that, that okay, not getting complacent after a title. We've seen that from many teams in the past. We've seen it with Alabama, you know, and one of the, one of the drop-offs that we saw recently, Jonathan, Paul, LSU, after that 2019 game, LSU went into oblivion. Um, and, and you look at what they are now. I mean, they fired a coach two years after they won the national championship. So what I'm getting at is that Kirby smart. And I think everybody understands him. He's not going to be complacent. He's going to get the best out of those athletes. But you have to also understand this got a lot of new players on this roster, a lot of players that folks aren't knowledgeable about, maybe the common fan. Uh, but they're talented. They're talented on defense. They're talented on offense. They're going to be fine at running back. They can find a quarterback. I just look at it overall. And I think that Kirby Smart is laying down a challenge to his players going into fall camp. And hey, guys. We're not letting up here. Like, let's keep this rolling. We've done good this far, but I want to see more. And and I don't blame him. I, I, I think that Georgia has the talent to get back there. I think the defense drops off a little bit. I think they have the talent to get back there. I'm just interested to see, you know, what's it going to take from an aspect of staying motivated. And, uh, and, and with Stetson Bennett back there, I don't know if that's going to be a problem.
2: The Razorbacks actually let off the morning. Sam Pittman... Um, acknowledged the biggest hurdle um, that he faces roster-wise is at wide receiver. Uh, With Traylon Burks now here in Nashville playing for the Titans, they have to figure out things at wide receiver. The go-to guy for for his quarterback, Jefferson, uh, is is no longer on that roster. He says, look, on on paper and what we see in practice, we have SEC-caliber receivers that are ready to go, but he's eager to see them prove it.
1: Raylon Burks, not having him and having KJ Jefferson for another year, man, it feels like a a tragedy. Um, you know, you you, you want KJ Jefferson to have those top end wide receivers. So what it's going to be is going to be by committee. Um, and 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 I think we all get that. Uh, with what they're doing at Arkansas, you can't replace what Burks did last year, and you also and he also pointed out to the fact that KJ is going to have to get used to some of these these other wide receivers that are currently on the roster. So. You know, you you look at the way things are playing out right now with Arkansas. I by the way, I love KJ Jefferson. I think if there's a quarterback out there right now in the SEC that is getting underlooked a little bit, I think it would be KJ Jefferson. And when we go at an overall this year and we look at what Sam Pittman has on defense, what he's got with Bumper Pool, I, I at linebacker, you look what they have at running back, man, I like Arkansas. It's just that SEC West is so difficult and I'm interested to see what that looks like this year. But, you know, K.J. Jefferson's a top-five quarterback in the conference, and, hell, he w- it would have been so much fun to see him with Trelon Burks this year.
2: Pittman also pointed out, uh, before the question started rolling, that he was the one that wanted, in his contract extension, a non-compete for other SEC schools, where he cannot leave for another SEC school and he wanted to show his commitment to the Arkansas fan base, and he asked to have that added in. I found that fascinating. I, I don't know if there's another coach in America that would add a non-compete just for the sake of proving the fans that they're invested.
1: Jonathan, Paul, like you guys have been around like NFL contracts. You guys have been around like – you've seen these college contracts too, but yeah. especially in the NFL. Have you ever seen like We've somebody seen. take out a non-compete? Out of, no. out of a, from the coach's and side. And I, and I get – yeah. Right, right. And, and I get it. It's Sam Pittman. He's all about Arkansas. Like this is the one job, you know, where he's like, okay, I'm a head coach in the SEC and it's for Arkansas. He built himself a big old statue out there right there next to his lake,
2: <laughs> uh, of a, of that's a, a razor. That's a great story too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and it's just, it's amazing. You know, you got people that come by and they're, and they're, and they're all about it. They're jumping on top of it. He's got signs out there to keep them away but he's embraced the university of Arkansas. And I think that's really cool. And he's also got a really good staff too. You got Barry Odom, former head coach. You got Kendall Browse and they're uh, back as your OC.
2: Yeah, you're right.
1: I'm, I'm telling you that that a really good that staff. And I think overall looking at it right now, I think Arkansas could be second, third in the West this year. It's going to be pretty interesting.
0: How will you vote the West? I presume your vote, you vote in, in this, um, how how will your ba- your ballot look?
1: I'm gonna go. Uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna go Alabama one. I am gonna go. Um, you know, I, I personally to me, I'm gonna go uh, Ole Miss two. I'm gonna go Arkansas. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna go Texas A and M three. Uh, then I'm gonna go Arkansas four. Uh, Mississippi State five, and then I'm forgetting the other ones. Um, I had it Auburn. written down. You guys. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn's going at the bottom. Yeah, Auburn-LSU. So LSU-Auburn, flip the bottom two. Uh, I, had to, I had to vote earlier, so I, I don't know why I didn't have that up right now. Um, Trey Wallace. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I see it, guys.
2: Outkick.com it. is where you can see all of his great work, along with Glenn Gilbo, uh, there in Atlanta. Day number three, plenty of headlines throughout the day, both on this show and at the side of Outkick. Trey, thank you so much, and uh, if if news breaks, come pop on again.
1: Absolutely, guys! You guys continue to kill it, and uh, we got one more big day here. You got a big show lined up. I'm excited to to listen to the rest of y'all's. And uh, tomorrow we'll wrap it up with Harson, Jimbo, and Josh Heupel. So we'll have you covered in Atlanta. Thanks for having us covered in Nashville. Fantastic.
2: Thanks, Thank you, Trey Wallace. There, Outkick.com. Greg Sankey, SEC Commissioner, will join us in an hour when we come back. Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, joins Outkick 360. Outkick three hundred and sixty rolls on across the Outkick network. Hutton with you. PK will be back uh, soon. And uh, across the, the the college landscape, things are drastically changing. But there is one constant, and it is Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart, who joins us in Atlanta at SEC Media Days at the College Football Hall of Fame. Tony, always great to have you on.
3: Thanks. It's it's good to good to have a home game uh, and, and have this event here and uh hopefully it's going to be in nashville soon that's kind of what we're hearing so we're we're excited about that i told somebody the other day that nashville when, when nashville hosted the nfl draft the whole world stood up and took took notice and so that's why i'm hoping we're going to have this event in nashville pretty soon
2: that would be a fantastic and and it makes sense if the sec is willing to to move the event to different areas. But I doubt they're really wanting to take this on a carnival show, uh, to be honest. Nashville makes sense, though, based on everything they're looking for, Tony. Absolutely.
3: It's it's certainly the infrastructure is the best, vibrant downtown, all, all those things that
2: you're looking for. And th- this event would fit perfectly in Nashville. The SEC has never been stronger. It only strengthens. Uh, Greg Sankey was, wasn't was going to stand at the podium on Monday and announce his response to what the Big Ten did with USC or UCLA. He is patient. He's calm. He leads. Uh, but we know he's always working. Yeah, SEC decisions, they generally make sense, no matter how surprised we may be, given the timing of things. So so as you survey the landscape of college football, and, and you certainly know the ACC well as, as much as you do, uh, the the SEC, the Big Ten, and across college football, where are we headed? And and does it all hinge on if Notre Dame wants to join a conference or not? It does
3: hinge on whether or not Notre Dame joins a conference. The base, the stuff that we're hearing, if if they stay as an independent, uh, then I think uh, I think all bets are off. And then it's, it's what's going to happen with the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve. As far as the SEC is concerned, unless Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, uh, the SEC set they don't need to add any teams. I try to tell people this is not about football programs; it's about math and how much money each school is getting. And the number one rule in college athletics is you're not going to take less money this year than you got last year. So in that that regard, there there really no schools out there that gives them that kind of value. So yeah, I'm I'm I have said that if if Notre Dame stays as an independent. The SEC's
2: done. College football is your life. Um, If if you take the Tony Barnhart reporter element off and put the hat on as just a a fan of the sport, are you a fan of all the change we're seeing? We've always seen change. There's always been conference realignment. But as you look on the horizon, do you like what we're headed towards?
3: Well, I I, I like it from this standpoint. I like that the NIL and the transfer portal gives the athlete more flexibility, more uh, movability than he had before. These are things that were going to come, you know. Ch- change is inevitable, and these changes were coming. Now, we've got to figure out how to manage NIL. We haven't figured it out yet, but the concept is good for the player to be able to make money in the free marketplace. Because, look, a lot of these guys, and mo- matter of fact, most of these guys, they're peak earning years are the three or four years that they spend in college. So they should be able to do that. So I'm for it. We got to do something. We got to figure out in uh, in, NIL, understand that. The other stuff uh, I think is also inevitable. Uh, It's it's just a question of how you manage it. We're going to see some, obviously what what the big 10 is doing. You're going to see some things go by the wayside. I'm not real, a real big fan of USC and UCLA going to the big 10. Uh, but you know, that's what they decided to do. Here's the irony as we, you and I sit here and talk today with everything that's up in the air about college football, the game on the field is better than it's ever been. The game on the field is it delivers every single Saturday. So I have, uh, I am hopeful. I feel good about the future. We've just got a bunch of stuff we've got to navigate through right now.
2: Well, let's talk about the champion Where, where, where it is at his best. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. And going into today, I was curious how Kirby Smart would answer the questions about how they're going to handle success. And he addressed it before the questions were even asked this morning at the podium where he said, look, uh, people say that uh, people are hunting us. We're never going to be hunted. Uh, We are going to make sure we continue the hunt. Um, How do you think this Georgia team, this, this program handles the championship success? Because we certainly know how Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide uh, would be feeling this week coming off of a championship game. And now I'm curious to hear the tone and demeanor of the players.
3: Yeah, I've, I've had that conversation with Nick Saban several times who, has, who said that the, the toughest thing he has ever had to do as a coach is convince the guys who, who won a national championship that they were going to have to work even harder the following year to, to maintain the success that they've had. I think Georgia's well positioned. I think I thought Kirby smart laid it out pretty well about they're going to be the aggressive. They have recruited exceedingly well. So they feel good about it. He says, we don't lack talent. We don't lack leadership. We don't lack any of these things. All we lack is experience. And these guys need to get some experience. I, I believe, and I, I've, i certainly, Uh, people have disagreed with me. I believe that Georgia is going to win the SEC East. They're going to win it going away. They're not going to lose the game and they're going to play Alabama again for the
2: SEC championship. Well, Let's set up what that would mean. Um, It's a legacy year for both of the quarterbacks on the best teams in the conference, maybe college football, because no one is predicting Alabama or Georgia to not meet back in Atlanta. At least uh, I'm with you. I haven't heard that. Right. Um, The winner... As, as well as we just witnessed, of uh, the, the championship game, doesn't mean that they go on to win the national championship. That's right. Um, so uh, let's look at it from the quarterback perspective. For Stetson Bennett, defending the crown again, he's not winning the Heisman, but he'll get a statue in Athens by doing that. Uh, and Then you have the Heisman winner, Bryce Young, who can become just the second player to win the award in back-to-back years. Yep. It, it's a very interesting storyline for both programs at the quarterback position.
3: Absolutely. Tale of two quarterbacks. i, I tell you a story. I was at the Georgia-Florida game uh, back in late October, and I'm, I'm tailgating with some friends before the game. And that guy, I didn't know who he was. He was clearly a Georgia fan. He just walked up to me and says, Tony, I just want you to know there is no way that Georgia can win a national championship with Stetson Bennett as their quarterback. Don't you agree and I said, dude, I don't agree at all. I've seen the guy play. He makes the throws when the game is on the line. He did it in Indianapolis. He was, he was getting ready to get fitted for a set of goat horns with that huge turnover, but the, to Georgia's credit, they stayed aggressive, they didn't back away and ask Stetson to do less. They said, let's do more. Let's be more aggressive. And it turns out they win the game. I, I thought Bryce young had a phenomenal year. Obviously, he did to win the Heisman Trophy. But my point is, is that Alabama, by Alabama's stand, standards, their offensive line was pretty average at best, at best. And Bryce did a lot of running around to create throwing opportunities for himself. Obviously, had those two great receivers. And so I think the this quarterback battle, it shapes up, if we get it again, <laughs> if we get it again in the SEC championship game, it's going to be a lot of
2: fun another interesting storyline with bama is will anderson that people were debating whether or not he should be a finalist last year but everyone's talking about him now so i i think that he will get he will garner the deserved attention on the defensive side and all eyes will be on young as well offensively
3: no no question and people are going to watch this because this guy this guy is just absolutely unbelievable we talked to Nick yesterday, and he is—he hates to compare players, yeah. but it, but he he just says this guy's as this guy's as good an edge ed rusher as I've ever had. He can do it all, and and what that happens is when you've got to dedicate more than one player to slow down an edge rusher. Guess what? Somebody's going to break free, and so you know Nick Nick Saban, who doesn't like to compare players, uh, was very very high. Uh, Tony Barnard on-
2: with us on Outkick 360. Uh, discussing Mississippi State for a bit here. Is Will Rogers this year's version of Matt Corral? Um, where Corral comes, he, he's paired with the coach uh, in, in Kiffin, and they take off, and they're, they're setting school records, and they go on to win 10 games. I'm curious what this year means for, for Rogers, who already holds the school record for the most 300 yard passing performances. He's currently the all-time leader in passing uh, completion percentage. He had what, 36 of the 48 total touchdowns for that offense last year. If if he hits another level of his game, Mississippi State can be the Arkansas of last year, right. and Will Rogers can be the talk of the conference.
3: Yeah, you know, and when you, when you look at it on paper, it's said okay, you you got the leading passer in the conference coming back who's just phenomenal. You got a team that returns 17 starters, third year under Mike Leach, which has always been a, a pretty good, uh, pretty good situation for a quarterback. Which is why Will Rogers, I think, will have an even better year. But they're not getting a whole lot of love. Well, and part of that, of course, is the schedule. Who do they play on the other side over from the SEC East? They play Kentucky and Georgia, and and that's going to make it tough. But uh, I, I think Mississippi State's going to be a good team. And I think Will Rogers is going to have a monster year.
2: The Razorbacks are coming off a nine-win season. K.J. Jefferson, uh, he's back. They know who they are. They have a very distinct identity. Sam Pittman is a perfect fit there. Tony, is there another SEC program outside of Alabama and Georgia that seems to be in better shape overall, top to bottom, than the Arkansas Razorbacks?
3: No, nobody better than the Arkansas Razorbacks. Because let me tell you what, their fans – are just absolutely thrilled, but not only because of the way they played, but they look at Sam Pittman and what the Arkansas people are telling me, this is our guy, okay? We we haven't had that very much at Arkansas. Bobby Vitrino was a good coach, but he wasn't our guy. This is our guy. And the players, i tell you a little story about Sam Pittman. When they played at Georgia last year, Sam Pittman recruited almost every offensive lineman on that Georgia team. And they they got dominated. It was really the only game they were out of really all year. They got dominated. When that game was over, every offensive lineman for the University of Georgia and a bunch of other players for the University of Georgia went made a beeline to Sam Pittman to shake his hand and hug his neck. That's how much they think of the guy. And Hunter Yuracek, the athletic director of Arkansas, knew that, and that's why they hired him. He Sam Pittman's done a, an incredible job, and they will be
2: good. This year, what does Spencer Rattler's addition to the South Carolina offense mean for the Gamecocks? Because he, he he's not at SEC Media Days yesterday. Um, it, certainly, that's because they haven't specifically named him the starter. But it's really hard not to see him being the guy.
3: Well, he gives them a level of athleticism uh, that they haven't had at South Carolina last year that was a great, great first year for Shane Beamer. Uh, you know, they, they they just pound the Gators. That, that That's one of those moments where they said, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. But I think uh, adding Spencer Rattler gives them an incredible dimension. Last year they just sort of had to, I think they played five different quarterbacks, four or five different ones, and they just sort of had to limp along and play good defense, run the ball a little bit. And they managed to to get to a bowl game and, and really beat the Gators real bad. So I, I think Rattler gives them a dynamic uh opportunity here for a guy that can run and pass, which will make them much harder to defend. I
2: I don't know how to view Kentucky right now, personally. They they have four, I believe four now, ten win seasons in the history of the school. Correct. And they can now do that uh um, and, and back to back. And so while I, I think, you know, they're very well coached and I know Will Levis has a strong arm that should he should be better than what we saw last year. Um, to me, it comes down to if Rodriguez is the best running back in the SEC, if he is, right. then then Kentucky's the number, number two team in the East to me. Right.
3: You're talking about a guy who rushed for 1,300 yards, who's just a very, very good player. And the thing about Will Levis, he's going to miss Dale Robinson. And I'm sure they've got good receivers on that roster and all that. But that is that is a fact. But they play. Here's the other thing. And they don't get a whole lot of love on this. They play pretty good defense at Kentucky. Yeah. And that has been a factor. That has been a factor. But give Mark Stoops a lot of credit. First of all, Mark, this is Mark Stoops' 10th year at kentucky no coaches ever stayed 10 years at kentucky before this guy and he <laughs> has done uh that's not even bear bryant stayed 10 years when he was there so he's done he has done a phenomenal job the only question is they lose their offensive coordinator liam cohen goes back to the back to the rams how does that impact what they want to do uh offensively but uh Kentucky plays the Gators, what, second week of the year, some third week of the year? That third, be, I think. Yeah, that, that
2: sounds right. Yeah, that that will be interesting. Well, and then we if, if they get past Florida, and if Tennessee gets past Florida, then we see the Tennessee-Kentucky matchup later in the season that everyone had would have circled to determine two in the east, but it, those coaches certainly wouldn't say they're playing for number two. But in, in, in Tennessee's, at uh, f- from where they build around the Vols every preseason, especially coming off the year that they had, but they, they did just win seven games. So what's the next building block for, for Josh Heupel? Where do you see the Vols in the whole hemisphere of the SEC East?
3: Well, one of the things, the best thing that Josh Heupel did last year is he gave Tennessee a clear identity of who they are and what they want to be. Uh, they're going to spread you out. They're going to challenge you to cover the entire field, and I thought he did a good job. Now they got to get better on the defensive side of the ball. To me, that's that's the next logical step because you've got to play at least pretty good defense in this league to uh, have a chance. It's not like it used to be, but let's remember, Georgia gave up 10.2 yards per game last year, and that was a big part of uh, who they were last year. So I'm I'm looking for Tennessee to get better on the defensive side of the ball.
2: Finally, there's always, by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, there's always a storyline we did not see coming as we sit here uh, going into the month of August. And the the case in point would be Dan Mullen, who uh, last year, early in the year, Florida and Alabama had a fantastic ball game in Gainesville. And then he ends up, being on the outside looking in, yeah. and it, it was very peculiar how things went down. I, Eli Drinkwitz, I think, would fall into this category. Brian Harston, to me, is, yeah. is already okay. gone in my own mind. Is, is there a surprise storyline that you think, you know what, that there's more pressure behind the scenes here than what we may believe from the surface level across right. – everyone wants to win, and in the SEC, fans eat their own. But is there is there a storyline we haven't been following enough this off because of everything else going on?
3: Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, the question is, you know, is Vanderbilt are they going to show a pulse? Is, you know, uh, Clark Lee gave a good talk yesterday, but I don't know how much of it is going to is going to fall into place. I don't. I, I like I like him as a coach, but they're just not there yet yeah. in terms of a talent standpoint, which is rather why that I guess why they've gone with with Mike Wright as quarterback to give them some mobility. Uh, the Auburn thing, just the question I have about Auburn is if they, if they don't have a winning season, he's obviously gone. The question is if they stumble out of the gate, you know, they've got two cupcake games, then they got to play Penn state. Their first five games are just absolutely critical. And if they go two and three or
2: one and four in those games, does, does he make it through the season? That's the question I have. And then, and I I keep asking too, like. Did, if you don't want him there, do you let him play the Bama game? Does he play the Iron Bowl? Yeah. Or coach the Iron Bowl because he nearly won it last year. Yeah, should have won it. That that's a game. If you don't want the coach there, uh, you don't need him winning that matchup.
3: <laughs> yeah that that makes that makes the decision making process a uh, problem. And look, you know what else? <laughs> you know what else? If Tank Bigsby doesn't run out of bounds in those yeah. forty seconds, Alabama doesn't have those forty seconds. And Auburn wins that game, Jonathan. You and I are probably not even having this discussion. You're right. Because as 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 bad as their collapse was after a six and two start, if you beat Alabama, all sins are forgiven. And if he had just beaten Alabama, he wouldn't be on this spot.
2: Finally, Tony, Iowa was not difficult at all through the surprise team, even though they probably shouldn't be a surprise team this year.
3: Yeah. And the question is, is Jackson Dart the guy? Is he gonna be uh, can he give the because I was a big fan of Matt Carrell. I just thought this, I thought he was phenomenal. Uh, the way he played, can they get that level of quarterback play again? If they can, then we already know that. And, and how does Kiffin, how much does Kiffin miss Jeff Lebby, who basically called most of the plays last year? But yeah. he's got Charlie Weiss Jr., who's, who's a well known entity. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, so some, a lot of questions. But if, if they get good quarterback play out of Jackson Dart, then that's a team you got to look out for.
2: Being there in Atlanta, you're you're a big part of uh, the college football scene there in the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, a reminder of the the Bobby Dodd Trophy, the legendary coach and the Coach of the Year, where we have seen Pat Fitzgerald win it a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. Luke Fickle last year. Uh, it's the most prestigious award for coaches, and it'll be handed out again at the Peach Bowl.
3: Yep, and we're looking forward to it. Uh, scholarship, leadership, and integrity. Those are the three pillars of the Dodd Trophy, and we're happy to be a
2: part of it. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, always happy when he's a part of our show. Tony, thanks, thanks for this. We appreciate the time. We'll catch up soon. All right, Jonathan, take care. Tony Barnhart there. Coming up, plenty more from SEC Media Days in Atlanta. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.
0: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes!
2: Coming up in just about 30 minutes, Greg Sankey, Commissioner of the SEC, will join the show. Looking forward to that chat. And in 12 minutes, Roger McCreary, Titans rookie cornerback, former Auburn Tiger. He'll join us as uh, he is in Atlanta as well. With Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Big thanks to Tony Barnhart for joining the show. And uh, plenty more to come uh, throughout the afternoon with our coverage from Atlanta at Outkick.com with Trey Wallace and Glenn Gilbo news breaks, they'll jump on with us uh, with the, the latest happenings there and more interviews and analysis and previews as well. Every Wednesday at this time from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, it is time for primary complaints. Now, Chad, this week will be locked and loaded, though. Primary complaint goes on. I'll kick it off with um, if, if for those listening on, across the radio network, you can't see, but I'll explain and maybe you've seen the news of the Webb Telescope and the images that have been shown. The, apparently, NASA says, and I take their word for it, I mean, it, this is their telescope. They say this is the deepest look into space that we've ever had for mankind. And Neil deGrasse Tyson would, would say that those little specks uh, that are very small balls of light are actually galaxies deep into the universe. That's uh, a photo I have on the left. On the right is a man that police are looking for across the local area that is as grainy of a picture as any photo from a Polaroid back in the mid-90s. My primary complaint is that while we as a society boast that NASA's telescope can go galaxies deep into the universe, a man walking beneath a security camera can't be identified uh, even by gender based on how grainy and terrible... Of the photo that we have in our security systems, that is my primary. There, there are
0: better shots of baseball in the early 1900s. <laughs> I, mean, right? I
2: mean, to to release I fo- I don't even know why you release a photo, which if you can't identify, that could that could be a woman, man, child. No idea who's underneath the black hooded jacket, uh, because I, I, for all I know, you know, it's it's an actual mannequin. I mean, you you can't make out any any distinctive quality about that person remember uh that that looks like every jacob swanson i've ever seen in my life
0: (laughs) remember the costner movie no way out i think it might have been his breakout movie um and he was like a a double agent and and they had a, a picture of him and this was like 80s technology i think and the cia had a picture of him and and it it was like the screen was you know reformatting every second And it was getting closer and closer. So his race against the clock was to do what he needed to do. And he was trying to also mess up this this processor that every second was, you know, improving its visual imagery of this picture that eventually was going to reveal his face because the data was improving this grainy and, and picture, it was which apparently we can't do uh,
2: with this. Picture. We can do it on any cell phone now. Like the cell phone companies would not allow you to have a phone with a quality of a camera that we have in our security systems on a, uh, just about town. Like that, that makes no sense to me.
0: I will say hot as bad as this is. And this is a fantastic <laughs> complaint with the side by side and using the, the web telescope, which fascinates me. It's better than at our old um, (laughs) employer where I got punched in the head by a criminal in the parking lot. He snuck in behind me after I was trying to check out if he was uh, abusing the woman he was with. He came in, cold cocked me. I looked up and and thought there would be some relief because there was a security camera there. And lo and behold, it it didn't function at all.
2: It was just for looks. So there was no grainy camera. It was a deterrent.
0: Yeah. And in hindsight, I was like, I should have said to the guy, smile, you're on camera up there. But in fact, he was not because there was no.
2: It's uh, like a beware of a dog, dog sign. You just hang it up to make people think that there's something there. Yeah.
0: Even if you have no dog. My primary complaint pertains to the All-Star game last night and the, uh, the uniforms that were worn, or as Corey uh, calls them, uh, the costumes. <laughs> He came and showed me this picture. He said, are these the costumes that you're looking That's for? That's it,
2: Corey. That's Look, the costume. Uh,
0: people have worn a lot worse. And these, on their own merits, are actually fine. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the home team in whites with their own logos on it. The away team, uh, the American League in, in uh, gray, a nice shade of gray with their own thing on it. But the problem is, and this has been going on for a few years, it does away with tradition. Chad and I talked about this last year. A cool all-star thing is that the uh, visiting team would simply wear its visiting uniforms, and the uh, away league would simply wear its uh, home and away. and And it was great; you wore your own uniforms. And the only reason they changed this is in a money grab. And these are pretty sharp, so some people probably great. probably bought them individually. It looks, great. It looks good. But But it would look better if the Braves were wearing their Braves uniforms and if the Angels were wearing their Angels uniforms. And that's what had been done for, you know, 70 years, 75 years before they started messing with this. And baseball is such a traditionalist sport. There's a tradition that you could sacrifice the bucks, sacrifice the bucks that you're making by doing this. And stick with something that's always been classy and cool and different. I always want baseball to embrace its differences. And you can't do it in other sports. But you can do it in baseball. So don't F with it.
2: They're doing it for the, the, for the sake of the jersey sales. And that's it. And I hate it.
0: At least they look good. Uh,
2: they, they, they did. They were sharp. They were sharp. I, I completely agree with you. Um, the game itself last night, not sharp, uh, took 16 half innings combined half innings um, of absolutely nothing happening no hit yeah yeah just yeah. Uh, if someone got on base like there is quickly the, the half inning was over the NL
0: didn't get a hit from the first inning to the seventh inning. so it's a good job by the pitchers but it kind of represents what's going on in baseball like there's there's not enough action
2: coming up Roger McCreary will join us rookie quarterback for the Titans former Auburn Tiger. And in 25 minutes, we will be joined by SEC Commissioner Rick Sankey. Plenty of coverage from SEC Media Days throughout the afternoon. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.